It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today I've got with me J.K. Amalou. Hello, J.K. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm very happy to be, to be talking to you. Good man, good man. That's always a good start to a podcast. Um, what film have we come to talk about, J.K.? I'm sorry? What's the, fil- what's the film we're going to be talking about today? Uh, we're going to be talking about, oh yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, my new film called um, Assassin. Uh, with Danny Dyer, Martin, and Gary Camp of the um, Spando Ballet and uh, Craze, and um, and Holly Weston. And what was your what was your role in that movie? Uh, writer, producer, and director. Okay, okay. So a lot of hats there. So that means we can go deep into this one. And just to just to let people know, give us a brief synopsis of what Assassins about. Um, it's about a um, a hitman. Uh, who uh, realizes uh, that he's killed the father of a woman or a stripper that he falls in love with. Okay, okay. So we're giving not giving too much away there, but yes. Yeah, and um, and uh, basically um, uh, everything changes when he's asked to uh, to kill the the woman he loves um, by um, you know Martin and Gary Camp. Uh, who play uh, you know, some very, very shady uh, businessmen, basically, or businessmen with a very, very shady past. Um, and so he's caught in between duty and, and love, basically. Okay. Now, now the, the, the BritFlix website's giving away some copies, I think, in a competition, isn't it, of the DVD for Assassin? Um, yeah. So do you want to... Uh, what's, what's the official release date, then, for Assassin? And, and how the can release date get... is on the, the 9th of March. Okay. Uh, which is... Uh, in a week, basically next Monday. So, as well as DVD, where where else can people see the movie? Uh, it's basically um, mainly uh, DVD, VOD, iTunes. I mean, all the uh, you know online. Okay. 
Fair enough. Okay, okay. Right then, let's get on to the film. Yeah. Now, as, as you're the writer, director and producer of the movie, that means that we can start at the very start of a film process. So we'll start with the script. All so, right. <laughs> so so um, for you, what... Yeah. What in what inspired the idea for uh, Assassin? Where did that come? Where was the genesis um, for the story? I've always wanted to uh, write or make a film uh, about you know, Hitman, uh, probably because one of my favourite films uh, when I was uh, a kid uh, was uh, a film uh, with Alain Delon, uh, which was called uh, Samurai, which is a French film, and um, I've always been very interested in sort of. You know, making a film about Hitman, uh, not so much because they're a Hitman, but also by the way they operate, um, you know, and the way they uh, go about their business, basically. Um, so I just came up with the idea, and obviously, you know, um, I think you know the, uh, the the conflict between love and duty is is a very very old conflict that we've seen in many other films and books, and you know, um, any work of fiction. Um, so yeah, so that's what prompted me to write the uh, the script. Um, at first, it was actually an American script, uh, okay. which, I, which I wrote, uh, of course, about you know fourteen years ago. Um, I did get an uh, option, and then uh, it sort of disappeared and went off and made other movies. But the uh, the <laughs> idea, kept, you know, the idea of making that film uh, kept coming back. So it actually became a British film, didn't get made, and it became a French film as well. Wow. <laughs> with, with, with French actors and French you know, dialogue. Um, and, um, and that was optioned uh, about uh, four years ago. Mm. And then uh, when the option elapsed, uh, I would say two years ago, exactly two years ago, I decided to make it a London film. Um, and um, so I rewrote the script as a London film, um, kind of knowing that Danny Dyer would be in it because I just made a film with him as well. Um, okay. And then um, it, it happened very quickly. I mean, uh, I finished the script in um, probably April, May uh, 2013, and uh, we went into production uh, literally in August, September 2013. So it wow. was Pretty quick. So just 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 rewind a second. Give give us um, just give us an idea of your your process as a writer. How when, when you come up with your ideas, how mm -hmm. do you move from sort of idea to script? Have you got your you outline, your index card, in, um, brainstorm with the First of all, I don't write anything for a long, long time. I just let it you know, sort of bubble away in my, right. somewhere you know, in my head. Um, mm. Because I've got like five, six, seven ideas just bubbling away. Yeah, uh, like sort of, you know, think about it and not think about it and forget about it for a few weeks and then go back to it, um, back and forth. And then, you know, and then, you know, when I sort of have the uh, story in my head, um, I start outlining it um, very often by hand. You know, it's only three or four pages anyway, just scribbling away. Yeah. Uh, um, empty, uh, you know, pieces of paper um, and then from that I go to uh, a treatment um, because um, the more preparation you do in terms of I mean for me anyway it works for me I mean it might not work for every other writer yeah but the more preparation I do and the less time it takes me you know to write the script because I kind mm -hmm. of know um, the story and the characters inside out uh, by fact you know not writing anything but thinking about 
you know, the idea you know, on and off you know, for for months, sometimes for years, mm. um, and then uh, yeah, and then just outline it and um, you know and just go for, uh, to script um, because I'm not one of these writers as well who likes to I can't do what a lot of writers do, which is you know get to their desk in the morning at nine o'clock and then work three four hours and then do it day after day, I, I, I tend to sit down and just write, write, write until I finish it. So uh, it might be that I'd be writing you know, 14, 15, 18 hours a day, you know, uh, go to wow. sleep, go to sleep, you know, get up and carry on. You know, I like my um, my first draft anyway uh, to be as quick as possible. Um, very often I'm, you know, I'm, I do a draft or a first draft, I do it in a few days because I just, you know, I stopped just to sleep or to eat or to drink. And that's about it, you know. Um, <laughs> and then uh, just once I finished the, uh, uh, the screenplay after a few days, um, then, you know, it's another process, which is basically draft and redraft, draft and redraft, you know, forever. You know? What, what uh, do you do about writer's block, JK? Where, where, how, do, how do you overcome that, or is it something... I, I, I have never come across it. I mean, I have to say, I've never really suffered from writer's block. Um, it's probably because I, before I start writing anything, I do spend you know long time you know um, pondering on the uh, idea and the story and the beat and the uh, the characters, scenes and everything. It's everything is in my head and mm. in. In my view, if, you know, some people say, oh, well, you know, you should write it, otherwise you're going to forget it. Um, you know, I, I've, my view of it is that, you know, if I forget it, then it, it, it can't be a great idea, basically. Because you oh, never really, you, know, you really, you know, you don't really ever forget, you know, a great idea that excites you, you know, basically. Um, so, I no, I'm writing block is not something I've, I've suffered. Um, I'm not saying I might not. Suffer from it, but <laughs> suffered from writer's block so far. It's so, just the way I work, basically. Okay, but so tell us then, what was some of the? Give us an example of a story challenge then that was hardest to resolve in terms of assassin, especially given the the life of it as you described it, which is you know it went from being an American to French to London. Yeah. What, what what were some of the? Uh, actually, to pleasure, actually went from LA to Nice. Yeah. And Marseille in France. Yeah. Uh, no, sorry. It went from LA to Hastings first, <laughs> and then from Hastings went to Nice and Marseille, and then from Nice and Marseille went to uh, Eastbourne. Right. And then uh, that was not really. I mean, to be very honest, it wasn't a real artistic decision. It was more of a budget decision to sure, move it sure. from uh, Eastbourne to London. You know, uh, yeah. because we figured that you know if we had to go and do it in and around Eastbourne and Brighton, uh, that kind of area, uh, we would have to put up you know, a lot of people in hotels, uh, train fares, cars, etc., etc. So we thought, no, I better do it in London because everybody is in London and we can make it in London and it's not going to be so expensive. You know, People can go home at the end of the day, basically. So um, there you go. But I think we've lost the thread here. Where, 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 where? No, 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 you're right. No, it's okay. No, we, uh, that, that, was, that was really interesting. But I was, I was saying, I was also saying that um, what was, what was your, what were the story challenges for you that were hardest to resolve, whether that be what you were thinking through in your head or once you sat down to write it, what, mm-hmm. where were, where were the kind of real challenges for you as a writer to get, to get resolved on the page? 
Um, it's not really the kind of problem I encounter with my way of working. The real uh, challenge that I have is that, you know, when you write a script, um, half of it you think, I hope anyway, I'm not, you know, that, no, that's what I'm, you know, I thrive for, uh, which is basically, you know, that half of it is going to be pretty original or at least something that we've not seen before. Okay. And then the other half might very well be you not thinking or me not thinking enough about certain story beats that are not, you know, that are a little bit cliche. So very often what I do is I look at it and I say, how can I make it a bit more original how can i make it something we've not seen before and that that i mean the main work i try you know that i have anyway okay okay so now now we've got you've got some pretty well-known faces in the cast obviously most notable would i guess yeah. be danny dyer now given given especially his most recent sort of rising profile beat starring in um, the weekly soap eastenders but you've also got the Kent brothers in there, and yeah. um, and Holly Weston, as you mentioned. Yeah. What was what was the process for casting the movie? The first one was uh, Danny. Yeah, uh, but that because we've been you know, we'd work, you know, we we worked together uh, before. We did a film called Deviation, mm. uh, so we knew each other, we liked each other, we respected each other, we got on very well as well mm. on Deviation. Um, at first, I was a little hesitant because I didn't because the assassin in our film it, it's kind of a very non-talkative uh, killer, if you like. You know, he, yeah, yeah. we don't know where he comes from, where he lives. Uh, we know, uh, we know very little about him, um, and I was a little hesitant in a way that I thought maybe you know if you know. Would Danny be able to do it? You know, because I wanted a bit more gravitas about you know, the character. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we talked about Danny, and we talked about everything: how he would walk differently in the film, how he would deliver his line differently, uh, you know, the way he would look at people. And we came to a kind of a code word, uh, which was that. Uh, you know, would have our character almost somebody who's autistic, basically. Okay. Uh, somebody who says very little, doesn't quite connect with people when he talks to them, um, you know, sort of almost like in a world of his own. Just, you know, to, so, um, you know, we talked about it, uh, you know, and we sort of in the end, I mean, I could see that he could pull it off. Mm. Um, it was kind of fun as well, because on set, you know, uh, we had... Um, a few gestures uh, that we understood, you know, that we could, you know, we would communicate almost like in sign language about, you know, his walk or even his lips, you know, the way he would deliver, you know, a line, etc. So it was almost like a shorthand uh, that we were using between ourselves, just using our hands, basically. Okay, okay. Uh, so I didn't have to go up to him, so oh, you should walk that way or, you know, you should say that, you know, deliver that line this way, blah, blah, blah. You know, it was just, you know, a few... It's sort of a, a bit of a sign language between ourselves, you know, between us, um, you know, above the camera, and uh, we would understand exactly what you know what we're talking about and what we're trying to get. Mm. Um, and um, you know, the few people who have seen the film so far um, have said exactly the same. You know, say the same thing that Danny is playing, you know, a character with a lot of gravitas. You know, none of the uh, Cockney geezer in there, you know, quite dark, uh, mm. white as well. 
Uh, well, you should know, Stuart. You've seen. No, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Totally. No. 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 Well, I'm. I'm. You know, this is. This is. It's. It's interesting insight, and it sounds. It sounds as well like um, that. Danny is is very very open to the collaboration aspect of. Mm. of yeah, of Danny a movie. is. Uh, uh, you know, Danny is somebody who. I mean, not. You know, that, you know. I mean, he said to me that he liked working with very, very strong directors um, mm. and you know, somebody who really direct him, you know, who get in there and not you know, frightened or scared of, 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 you know, of directing him, basically. Um, um, he also said to me as well that you know, too many directors who work with him are quite happy with him, you know, sort of, you know, just coming in, doing his, you know, Danny Dyer impression almost, and, <laughs> just, and just walking away. Let's talk about um, what it was like working with the Kemps and how they got involved. Oh, the Kemp brothers, yeah. I mean, they were fantastic. I mean, Martin is a great actor, uh, knows what he's doing, uh, very open as well. Um, he, he's, he's really fantastic. I mean, he's a very natural, I mean, I think he, you know, he's a natural actor. Yeah. Um, and Gary, yes, it's the same. I mean, he's a very good actor, very uh, open, but very, very challenging. You know, he's somebody who is very, almost like method actor. Okay. You know, in a way that he really delves very deep uh, in his character. Um, so that was challenging as well. Um, but, you know, challenging not so much what because of the way he worked, it's because we were kind of limited in a way in terms of budget and time you know yeah. so we couldn't sort of you know sit down and talk about it forever you know but in the end we found a way of working together which, 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 uh, which was absolutely wonderful you know we had an understanding if you like you know um some people would say oh he was difficult but it's nothing to do with being difficult it's more to do with the fact that he's a perfectionist, um, which I heard uh, as well, and I heard that he's exactly the same when he, uh, you know, he, he, you know, he does his music. Basically, when he goes into uh, a recording studio, uh, he he's very, very demanding, and he's a perfectionist, and I think that comes comes into the way, you know, his acting as well. Um, it's worth remembering as well that both Martin and Gary uh, were child actors as well. You know? mm. um, that where they started uh, as actors, you know, uh, they went to drama school when they were kids, basically, um, and yeah, and they did appear in quite a few TV films or drama and stuff like that when they were kids, uh, before they hit the, on the idea of, of setting up Pando Ballet when they were. You know, teenagers, basically. So, how, how how did they get involved in the movie? Uh, it's because the original one of the original producers on the film who left the film hmm. uh, um, uh, knew Martin Camp. Uh, okay. um, so, uh, I had the idea because uh, originally it was a father and son uh, relationship uh, in the script, hmm. uh, and um, we thought maybe Martin would. You know, sort of, you know, kid who's about twenty years old or something like that. You know, and then I had the idea. Well, you know, if Gary's there in the background, uh, why not re- rewrite the script uh, as two brothers? Okay. And uh, you know, it's a piece of you know, a stroke of luck. Uh, the script worked a lot better with two brothers as opposed to a father and a son. 
Okay. So Martin loved the script, um, and then you know we, we we talked to him about you know getting Gary involved as his brother. So we talked to Martin about you know getting Gary involved in the film. Yeah. And uh, and and yes, I mean Gary read the script, loved it, and got involved. Brilliant, brilliant. And finally, then of, of the kind of starring roles in the movie, you've got you've got Holly Weston, which people might know from um, from the soaps and a few other few other films that she's been in. How did she? How did she? How did you choose her? Because obviously, there's there's um, there's quite a lot of raunchiness she has to do, and then obviously she has to also, um, as well as being that's kind of sexy star, she also has to do a bit of. Um, of sort of, I guess what you call it, like secondary hero stuff. She has to do some of the some of the work in terms of sort of bringing the story together. Yeah. So how how, how did you cast her? Or where, where did she? How did she come on board with the film? Uh, are we talking about Holly? Yeah. Yeah, Holly. Um, basically, what it was is that we were ten days away from filming. Okay. Uh, we didn't have a leading lady. Uh, we've looked uh, at many, many uh, you know, actors uh, to play her part, and none of them were to, you know, to my liking. I mean, they were good actresses, but um, I didn't think they were right for the part mm. uh, because they were looking for a sort of, uh, you know, very London, very edgy type of, of uh, actress to play the part. Yeah. Uh, so I got in touch with a, an old friend of mine, a casting director, uh, a top casting director, whose name is Jeremy Zimmerman. Okay. And I told him all about my predicament. Uh, I said, look, you know, I'm, I'm 10 days away from filming. I really need you know, somebody quick. You know, uh, He didn't have the, the time to read the script because he's a very busy man. So he's asked me to provide him with a, a couple of paragraphs about the character, what I was looking for. Um, and then he called me literally two hours later, and he said, I found the perfect leading lady for you, and she's available uh, to start your film. Uh, you go and meet her tomorrow at 11 o'clock at Seho Hotel. <laughs> and uh, I said, okay, <laughs> why not? Um, I did look at her picture. Uh, I did notice as well that she uh, she was in Hollyoaks, uh, which is a soap. Yeah. But at the same time, what I did notice is that she did make a film with uh, a couple of film with Mike Figgis as well, mm. um, and she also did a uh, sort of a short film with Madonna uh, directing as well. So, so I was very intrigued by her. But anyway, when I met her the next day. Uh, yes, there she was. She was absolutely perfect. So I was very, very happy to have her on board. And she did a wonderful job too. Great job. If you don't already subscribe to BritFlix, just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at BritFlix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. Out of interest then, when, when you're sort of in that kind of you know 10 days from shooting, yeah, and I'm guessing everybody else has had, a, I guess, at least a couple of months, sort of, to get their head around what they're going to be doing in the movie. Yeah, how do you then bring up bring somebody like Holly up to speed, and what work do you have to do anything particularly special with her, or is it a case of go away and real and hopefully well, she? Well, um, what I said when I met her, uh, she was perfect because uh, physically perfect. I mean, she looked apart, no mm. problem, but she'd read the script uh, of a night as okay. well. Uh, so when we sat down, it was uh, obvious that 
she got the part. I mean, she got the character. She knew what the, who the character was. Uh, she knew uh, what she was going to do with the character. I mean, she's you know she's a very very smart actress. You know, because uh, being an actor is not just walking in and playing a part. You know, of it's also it's understanding the character and also bringing something to the table. You know, for the character as well. Um, and and that what made for me uh, an interesting actor, somebody who brings something to the uh, to, to the table, um, and she did, you know, uh, about the way she would talk, about the way she would, uh, uh, you know, emote, if you like. Mm. Um, you know, she she thought all about it. She thought about her clothes. She thought about everything. You know, she knew her character very well. Um, and then after that, you know. Um, it was all a you know, matter of tweaking, uh, you know, matter of you know. It was just sort of ironing out all the details, if mm. you like, you know. Um, and for me, that is sign of a very good actor, you know. Um, I mean, um, uh, when I went to film school, <clears throat> um, um, one of my classmates was Danny Houston, whose father was the legendary John Houston. Okay. And uh, and the legendary John Houston came to visit. And uh, so I was having sort of lunch in, in the canteen uh, of, of film school yeah. uh, with Danny and his father, John. And um, he, uh, and I asked him, you know, what does it take you know, to, to make a good film? And uh, he gave me or a piece of advice which I've always kept, which was basically... The main job of a director is to get the right actor for the part. Once oh. you've got the right actor for the part, you do not have to do much. Um, ah, okay. And I absolutely agree with that. You know, if you get the right actor for the part, uh, you know, you can tweak, you can you know, iron out you know, a few details here and there, you can talk about the characters. But on the day, all you have to do is to sit back and enjoy the show. Frankly, <laughs> you know? um, and that, you know, what happened with Danny, that what happened with Martin, with Gary, with Holly, I mean, you know, all the main guys, you know, Eddie Weber as well, who plays, you know, the cop. Um, yeah, it's all about really. I mean, it's, it's it's you know, it's all about you know picking the right actor for the part and mm. uh, and then let them run with it because okay. a, a good actor will always surprise you. Uh, they will always entertain you. Um, and that's my way of you know. I, I I totally agree with that. I mean, with the experience and I've made a few films now. Um, you know, the, this this piece of advice is is. is becoming more and more true to me, if you know what I mean, isn't it? Um, that, yeah, I mean, that, that, that how it happened with Holly anyway. Okay. Now let's talk about sort of the, big, the bigger aspects of your, of your directing, the sort of, some of the set pieces and, and, and scenes you had to sort of um, factor into the film. I mean, you've mentioned, you've mentioned things like budget already. So, yeah. so um, in, in that pre-production stage, which aspects of the shoot seemed very difficult to you and 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 how did you and give us an example of one of them how and how you overcome it given the kind of the, the you know there wasn't a, a bottomless pit for money to pay for these things yeah um i mean it's just uh first of all uh when there isn't enough money around um you i mean as a director you decide where what scenes or what part of the story you need to spend time on Basically, okay. and then uh, the less important part of the story, then that 
that's where you know to go through it you know, as quickly as you can you know hmm. and it's all about a question of balance basically it's uh, how much time am I spending on you know this scene and how much I'm spending in terms of money as well on this scene so it's a it's a sort of a balancing act you know to make sure that all the resources uh, you have go to the right places, basically. You know, they spent the money is spent in the right places. You know, um, so there are you know there are a few scenes that I don't want to reveal too much because okay. I, you know, I would like you know, people to enjoy. But uh, yeah, there are a few scenes in the film where we, you know, I made it the country decision as well. Uh, of okay, we're going to spend on that because that's a very important part of the story. Um, you know, we're talking maybe you know about gunplay. At some point, you know, we have a home invasion. I don't know if you remember that scene. Yeah, yeah, invasion. yeah. Well, that was you know a uh, a sequence where I wanted you know a lot of tension. Uh, I wanted you know say the gunplay. I wanted to uh, you know blow up the door, and so on and so forth. And I thought it was a very very important uh, part of the uh, the film. Not only in terms of spectacle, but in terms of the relationship between uh, the characters played by Danny Dyer and uh, Holly Weston. Okay. Uh, because you know it's through that home invasion that you know the the, the film moves you know one notch up you know in, in terms of tension. You know? mm. So this is the kind of decision that you have to make, you know, um, in between, which is kind of difficult as well because it was also the producer on the film. So I would have, you know, the director and me would have uh, talks, very intense talk with the producer in me as well. <laughs> I was going to say, how do how, I mean that's an interesting challenge, and I've and I've spoke to other people about this. So so from your point of view, how do you balance? The, I mean, obviously you've got three things, haven't you? You've got you've got your writer's imagination, you've got yeah. your director your directorial aspirations, but you've also got the reality mm -hmm. of being the producer and having to get the film in on budget and on time. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, from my point of view, it all starts with a script. You know, uh, sometimes you know, I would write scenes and look at them and say, uh, no way I'll ever be able to put that on screen unless I'm given a couple of millions, basically. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, you scrap the scene on paper and rewrite it in such a way that, you know, you hope, I hope anyway, uh, that uh, it would look spectacular, but it wouldn't cost too much money to do it, basically. Okay. You know, um, I think, you know, a lot of the work needs to be done, I mean, for me anyway, I, I don't know about other people, but for me, a lot of the uh, reality uh, track is actually done on paper, basically, you know. Okay, so it's like, so it's like having, basically having your eyes open. Hello. Hello, I'm here. All right. I'm just going to say, so it's so it's a case of having your eyes open from the moment you sort of start producing the script pages in a way. Yeah. It's, it's not about it's not about you know thinking well I need that and that's important for the story and blah blah blah. So therefore yeah. we'll figure this out. It is actually. Yeah. 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 I mean that's what it is. I mean the thing is you know if you know that you're going to be producing the film, mm. uh, you know pretty quickly how much money you can raise I mean realistically for your film um, say you know okay I'm going to make this film for half a million pounds you know? mm. um, um, so you know if you know that realistically you can raise half a million pounds to make the film realistically I'm not talking about you know dreaming of raising half a million quid I'm yeah. talking about knowing 
fully well in a very realistic way that you can raise half a million pounds to make the film. Um, so, yeah, so when you start writing, uh, then uh, you know that you will have to make that film, whatever you're writing, you know that you will have to make to make it with half a million quid. So you always find ways of writing simple scenes, not too expensive, but add on some kind of, you know, spectacle to it, you know, some kind of drama, you know, visual drama I'm talking about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that that's the way you, you have to approach it, you know. You've got to be very realistic, basically. Yeah, yeah, so it sounds, it sounds like a healthy dose of, um, of, of pragmatism goes a long way to making, to making mm. the movie. Mm. Absolutely, yeah, and you, you think further than that because... You know, they hire the budget, uh, they hire the stakes, and uh, you know, and also, you know, you have to think about, you know, the uh, the bottom line, which is, you know, the only way I can keep making films is if, if, if only if my film makes money. You know, mm, of course. So, I mean, you've got to be very realistic about it. You know, and the way I approach it is, uh, I say to myself, well, okay, if I make the film for, say, I make Assassin for five million pounds, uh, you know, oh, I know anyway, I haven't got a chance in hell to make my money back. If mm. I don't make my money back, I won't be making my next film, basically. Of course. <laughs> you know, these are all the, uh, the parameters that you have to apply. Well, the re- and also, also in, <laughs> in a sense, the reality of it, isn't it? It isn't just about yeah. making a movie, it's, it's making a movie that's, that, that, that makes business. Yeah, and for me, <clears> I mean, uh, I believe that the more limitation you have and the more inventive and creative you have to be, um, and, and, you know, um, and I think it's a great you know, challenge, basically. I think that all the best work is born out of challenge, basically. Um, and talking of challenges, what, what, was, what was the um, shoot time for the movie? You know, when you, when you said you were 10 days from shoot, what was the actual shoot time? How long did it take to make the movie? 18 days. 18 days, my word. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we did crime a lot in 18 days. <laughs> wow. With all the, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the gunplay, the running around, motorbikes, etc., etc. Yeah, we did crime a lot in 18 days. You did, yeah. Yeah, so you need to, uh, uh, perhaps it helped as well to write the script because you really do know your film inside out when it comes to directing it, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we did it in eighteen days. Yeah. So I mean, I'd be interested to know, you know, from from uh, I mean, you talked about about the the John Houston tip and, and and getting the right actor for the job and everything. But yeah. in terms of the practicalities of making making a movie, yeah, um, and thinking about sort of maybe first time filmmakers listening to this podcast um, yeah. who might be working on even you know, presumably lower budgets than, than than you're working on, what would be what would be say two or three top tips for you in terms of you know. When they're, when they're approaching that shoot date, what, what, are the, what are the things they should A, be aware of or, or B, be preparing for, in your mind? Oh, um, it's all depends on what kind of film they're making. I mean, you know, uh, if you're making a horror movie, make sure you've got, you know, plenty of bucket of blood. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, if you're going to be making a gunk film, uh, yeah, make sure you've got guns, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. You know, you've got to be very, very down to earth, very practical. I mean, yes, we do get carried away with the art of filmmaking and, you know, and this and that. But ultimately, you know, uh, what you end up with is a product. And 
people who watch your film are not going to care about how much money you spent or you know how you made your movie. Uh, they don't care about it. You know, they, all they care about is you give them a good ninety minutes of you know, entertainment, basically. Okay. Uh, that 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 my view of it. You know, yes, of course. I mean, you know, in between ourselves, you know, movie buffs or movie critic and so on and so forth. Yes. Um, um, you know, we are sort of interested in the mechanics of filmmaking. We're interested in, you know, what happened and how the film came to be and uh, and how this actor came to be in the film, etc. Yes, we are interested in that. But ultimately, uh, you know, the um, people who make or don't make a film are the millions, the hundreds of thousands, the thousand or millions people who watch a film. And, you know, they don't, they don't give a damn about how you made the movie and how it came to be. All they give a damn about is you give them 90 minutes of entertainment. That's, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Now, look, yeah. you, you mentioned you mentioned the samurai in the beginning of the podcast, and yes. certainly uh, when I watched the movie, the opening certainly reminded me of the samurai. Yeah. Um, I mean, what what? Inf- I mean, and that, that, that's a that, that's a film made by Jean Pierre Melville. Um, yeah. I guess yeah. I guess in sort of cin- in recent cinema history terms he's like the f- he's like the the guy before Michael Mann I suppose isn't he the man that uh, yeah that would, yeah I mean obviously he is he is chronologically but what I mean is in terms of his style he's yeah. very, a lot of his stuff is very much sort of shot in in um in the built environment in like like Michael Mann would you know he makes his action yeah. in the real world as much as he does in yeah stu- there's a very very strong use of geography and yeah. the place of the character within that geography as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what? I mean, what would you say the influence? I mean, is there is there anything beyond liking the film *The Samurai*? Is there a, is there an influence on you for, from somebody like Jean-Pierre Melville as as a filmmaker as as well? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I love. I mean, that's what I was trying to do with *Assassin*. Is that yeah. uh, Jean-Pierre Melville was a director who totally mixed sort of um, American mass entertainment, if you like, yeah. with more highbrow European art, if you like. You know. yes. And that's what I was trying to do with Assassin. I mean, um, I was always a bit miffed uh, when people would refer to Assassin as a, uh, a gangster film. Um, because I don't see it as a gangster film. You know, for me, it's more of a crime thriller. Uh, as opposed to a gangster film, because whenever we talk about British gangster film, we do have, you know, um, almost a flock of you know low budget British gangster film, you know, come to mind, and most of them are not very good, you know, to be very honest. Mm. Um, and I don't, I didn't want that. I mean, Assassin is a crime thriller, and I hope. Uh, and I, that I'd worked hard enough on every character so that at least we don't have like you know this cardboard uh, character that you found in many of uh, these British you know, low-budget gangster film. Mm. And also, what I was trying to do, and it's exactly what I love about the samurai and what Jean-Pierre Melville does, is I wanted to do uh, make a crime thriller with a big. Know, with big emotions um, uh, driving the, uh, the, uh, the thriller, you know, driving the film. Mm. And um, that, you know, what I was trying to do with a, uh, you know, the relationship between Danny 
Dyer and Holly Weston. She's between a hitman and a, and a, and a stripper. You know, it's, um, for me, I wanted that relationship uh, to be the engine mm. of of the thriller in that film. You know, um, the uh, so that that what I was trying to do, which is basically what you know I was sort of inspiring myself, you know, how I inspired myself from Jean-Pierre Melville, uh, especially the samurai. You know, because he had a very sort of uh, cold aspect to it but at its heart you know it had a lot of emotion basically. no it's, it's interesting the way you differentiate because it's true there is there's a click there's there's um <clears throat> excuse me there's um on the continent there is there's, there's such a thing as the euro crime film isn't it the, you know the crime thriller is a is very yeah. much part of of cinema history but in britain over the last 20 years the term sort of british gangster movie has kind of overtaken that yeah. notion, hasn't it? So it kind yeah. of. And it's yeah, not... I mean, I wanted to totally avoid the cliches of what I call the low budget British gangster, which is shouty gangsters, effing and blanding, uh, you know, using the C word, uh, you know, beating the crap out of each other. And, uh, you know, it's kind of, you know, I call them very loud movies, kind of thing. Um, uh, whereby in Assassin, what I was trying to do is to avoid all of that. You know, so uh, for example, with Martin and Gary Camp, who are playing, you know, businessmen uh, with a very, very shady past as heavy gangsters. You know, I wanted to make sure that they were not going to, you know, run around, you know, talking loudly in a Cockney accent and you know, so on and so forth. You know, um, I wanted two guys who trying desperately to get away from their past uh, gangsters. So therefore, there's kind of almost like adopted a more middle class way of, of, of you know, of, of living, you know, more middle class lifestyle kind of thing in the way they talk, in the way they dress, in the, where they live, the houses they live in and so on and so forth, you know. Um, so I was very careful in avoiding this kind of, you know, um, this kind of cockney gangster. Uh, do, you, do, you, do you think in some way you've kind of, there's a, there's a nod to, I mean, obviously bringing the two of them together, it's hard not to see them as younger men when they played the craze. Do you think, do you yeah, think I mean, that's that what I love about the craze? I mean, the craze for me, uh, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people say, okay, it's a gangster film because it's obviously based on the craze. Mm. Uh, but uh, I looked at the film again before I made Assassin, uh, and I hadn't seen the film in years. Uh, it's the first time I saw it again in years and years and years. And it struck me how much uh, that film. Which was also uh, uh, which was directed by Peter Medak. Uh, how that film is actually more than just a gangster film. It's a film that was actually exploring the relationship between the two brothers, and moreover, the film was totally driven by the relationship between the two brothers and their mother, mm. basically. Um, and that was for me uh, great because um, uh, at the heart of the movie was the relationship between the two brothers and the mother that drove the film. You had the gunplay, you had all the spectacle, you had all the, you know, the, 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 the action as well in it. You know, you had the boxing, you had the killings, you know, you had all of that. But what really drove the film for me was the relationship between the two brothers and the mother. Mm. Um, and that was something which, uh, and it had also in, in certain part, it was a very poetic film, uh, you know, in, in visual terms. I mean, like the recurring shot of the uh, in slow motion of the flying bird, basically, you know. Mm. 
uh, that you have in the crate. Um, and these are, for me, what um, I wanted to do with Assassin as well. You know, I'm not saying I try to emulate it or, or I copied it or anything like that, but this is the kind of approach that I wanted uh, with Assassin. You know, uh, yes, it has action. You have all these, you know, the... Uh, the, the hitman, you know, operating on, you know, on his motorbike, you know, huge motorbike, very loud motorbike, you know, going around from one head to another, uh, etc. You do have all the, uh, you know, the action. You have all the thrilling bits, you know, that you need. Uh, you know, I wanted for the for assassin, but uh, at the same time, I really wanted something. I, I wouldn't say deeper, but something a bit more emotional. Than just killings and you know and violence and, <laughs> and that's that you know that's 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 a fair point, isn't it? Because I mean, I mean, films films are you know films do rely on that that the emotional side for us to to buy into it, you know. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I I think you know. Uh, if you look at all the the greater uh, or the, the great gangster film, I mean, you know, uh, they all have a lot of very strong emotion. It goes back, you know, to White Heat. Uh, it goes back to The Godfather. Uh, it goes to Carlito's Way. Um, even you know, Scarface. I mean, you know, Scarface. You know, it's a very very violent, very strong film. Uh, I mean, it doesn't sort of shy away from, you know, really, you know, bad violence, basically. But at the heart of Scarface, you know, it is the story of a, you know, of a poor bugger, you know, trying to, uh, to uh, you know, to leave uh, the American dream, basically. Indeed. Now, uh, let's, 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 uh, let's remind everybody, we, when's the film released on DVD, when's Assassin released on DVD and, and all the VOD platforms? Yeah. What, 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 on, the, what? on the 9th of March. 9th of March. March uh, you know, VOD, DVD, iTunes, uh, Filmflex, I mean, Sky Movies. I mean, it's available online. Excellent, excellent. Well, look, well good, good, look, good luck with, uh, with the release of it, and uh, hopefully you get yourself a good, good slice of the audience out there. Now, one last question we like to ask everybody is to, uh, to recommend as a, a British film that may be... Um, Deserves to be revisited, or is maybe got lost in the midst of time. Is there anything that springs to mind yeah. for you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I would say Neil Baymouth with uh, Ray Winston. Uh, I think it's the only film that Gary Oldman directed, actually. Nothing. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, this is a film I go back to again and again. It's a fantastic film. Uh, the thing that struck me about the film is the fact that it is actually uh, a film about a very dysfunctional family. Um, you know, father is played by Ray Winston. Uh, his wife is played by Kathy Burke, the great Kathy Burke. Um, I absolutely love this film because it's it's a very social film. It's about the ravages of alcoholism in uh, in a family, uh, but it's so strong. It's so stance. It's so intense as well that it feels like you're watching a thriller. You know, uh, it's 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 a fantastic movie. Yeah, I would recommend it anytime, basically. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, look, thank you very much for your time, J.K. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. My pleasure. If you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes, and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you.
time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com.